0: Hello and welcome to the I Create Daily podcast. I'm Leora Alderson. And I'm Devani Alderson. We are the mother-daughter co-founders of the I Create Daily brand. We are passionate about encouraging positivity, creativity,
1: and productivity while bringing you information and resources that support your creative aspirations.
0: I Create Daily is for creators in every genre of creating, from musicians to writers, crafters to inventors, bloggers, entrepreneurs. So if you're into creating anything, this podcast has something for you. So
1: tell us, what would support you most in your journey? You can reach us at creators at iCreateDaily.com. Thank you for joining us us on on this this journey. journey. Hello and welcome to the Create Daily Podcast, a movement for creators serious about their work. I'm Leora.
0: And I'm Devani. If you have ideas, creations, or books to sell, you'll want to tune in to today's conversation. Tara Jacobson has over 19 years' experience in the marketing industry and is the owner of multiple businesses and websites, including MarketingArtfully.com. As an entrepreneur and maker, Tara knows how to get results in sales and marketing, which led to the creation of successful marketing systems for her DIY and entrepreneur clients. Tara's strong history in psychology, entrepreneurship, Etsy, small business, real estate, And author marketing combined with her 100 miles an hour, tell it like it is personality have earned her the title of the queen of marketing, Oz, from her raving fans. Pulling from her vast experience in the trenches of growing her own businesses, Tara helps small and medium sized business owners grow theirs. And this is amazing Tara and her marketing partner, Tara, Tara and her marketing partner, Rebecca Welch, committed to writing a book a week on all things marketing for their company, Marketing and Media Monsters. As if that were not enough, Tara, along with her husband, served as foster parents for three sibling children whom they ended up adopting. Oh, and in her spare time, she loves to knit. We are eager to dive into today's conversation with our guest, Tara Jacobson.
2: I don't don't
0: knit, I make junk journals.
1: Okay, out of stuff. You've stopped making what you make? What instead of knitting? Jump journals. Jump out of ephemera, vintage ephemera. Wow. Oh, okay. We got it wrong. We got it wrong, sir. So you you have um, published a lot of information on knitting on your. Oh, YouTube. I've
2: published a lot of information for Etsy people. Ah. See these little journals of stuff. Wonderful. Wow. How exciting. Okay. Yeah, so I don't you- want any. I don't want anybody to come to me thinking I can help them knit one girl too.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, okay. and in her spare time, she creates <laughs> a fun junk journal. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. So now, so
1: yeah, so what do you, we're going to get into a lot more of your story, but since we started with that uh, junk journals and we love journals, we create and publish journals. What are you doing with yours? Is that a hobby? Are you doing it for yourself? Do you give them as gifts? Or are you selling them?
2: So I, I, It's funny. I started my Etsy store um, selling uh, planners and worksheets and things like that because at the time I was doing business. I was working with a lot of small business owners, like one-on-one working as a marketing company with them. And I just had so many um, digital products, which I think a lot of people don't understand that you can sell digital products on Etsy. And um, so I have like 50 some products in my Etsy store that are Planner type things, right? And I love planners, and so I've had Erin Condren planners, and I've and I love doing the arc planners, and I love do, and so I've I I definitely am a planner junkie, right? And then I found uh, travelers notebooks, and then I fell in love with those, and then I was like watching videos about how to do like make your own. And so, and I have, I sell um, also my two Etsy stores are a digital product store and a vintage store. And so I kept collecting all of this paper ephemera. And I was like, I keep looking at it going, I could do something with that. And so I've, it's so fun because it's just for me, it's just artwork, but now um, I've started doing some it's kind of like going back to basics. I've started doing some how-to videos about how to do, you know, paper crafts. And boy, when you go into something different, even though I have like 300 marketing videos, that insecurity, that thing comes back and you're like, why would anybody listen to me about this? So. That's been super fun, but yeah, I just make them, oh, I have so many journals, planners, everything, I could make one every day, and my husband laughs at me, he's like, oh, you're going to get a new one tomorrow, I'm like, yes. (laughs)
0: that's fantastic it's such a great thing to hear because i think a lot of creators they get they maybe get stuck in a rut but they're also afraid to jump into something new or they have that fear or hesitation so hearing from somebody who's already accomplished so much and is already established and then still tries new things is fantastic for our audience to hear because so many in our audience, including ourselves, are multifaceted creators.
1: Yeah, definitely. And yeah, go ahead. You're yeah, going say- to.
0: I feel like, and I talk. Um, I have one girlfriend
2: that I meet with, and we've met for over um, eight years now, every month. And we're multi-passionate. We like all the things. And and I'm sure we'll talk about how I get so much done because I really need to, to explain to people how I get so much done. Um, But she and I, I mean, there's always this fear that like, oh, if I start doing, if I start put, like, I almost put my junk journals on my Tara Jacobson YouTube instead of my monetized, (laughs) you know, already have makers, artists, Etsy people on this one. I mean, that's how much I was like, oh, I just don't know. And literally I have lost one subscriber, which I lose subscribers all the time. Everybody should get used to losing subscribers. Right. People change their, um, their interests. It probably right. doesn't have that much to do with me. But um, the thing that Kirsten and I always talk about is that we'll look flaky, yeah. right? Like, oh my gosh, if I start, so, so the way that I started, um, I had had corporate jobs and then I worked for internet companies and I started my own marketing company. And then I decided to become a realtor because I was really good at marketing. And I thought, oh, I can make a lot of money. And I did. And I hated everything about it. Literally, Mm -hmm. I I only liked the marketing part of it. So when I got out of real estate, I started a marketing blog. And and Google said it was about real estate, right? So Mm -hmm. for the next five years, I worked with realtors, some small business owners, you know, this and that. And then I hired a coach and he said to me, very, very well-known marketing person, um, very well-regarded, very nice man. And he said, you have to do just the realtors forever for the rest of your life, only realtors. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I got done with the little time we were doing and I thought to myself, okay, what is going to annoy him the most if I tried it? (laughs) <laughs> Etsy, like Etsy, is ridiculous. Etsy's a girl place. Etsy's stupid. Nobody does Etsy, right? I have made more money from helping Etsy ladies. I've enjoyed it more. I've more than doubled my traffic to my website by talking about Etsy things. I mean, I have my Etsy stores, and I make okay money doing them. Um, I've crossed, I think, the twenty-five thousand dollar line on my digital products now but I do it so that I can speak to Etsy sellers from a background of somebody who knows what they're doing, right? And who's in the trenches every day and who's rolling with the shipping changes and the SEO changes and everybody else. So so if I had never done Etsy, if I had just stuck to real estate and I don't know that I would be doing this anymore because my world has kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more fun Rather than, like, that just sounded like the worst thing that could ever happen to me.
1: Yeah,
0: totally. And that's so, um, and it's also another good point on the expert doesn't always know what you need. They can yes. only guide from their own experience. And generally, their experience is helpful or at least helps you avoid roadblocks, but it's not necessarily your path. It's not like, oh, I have to follow what that mentor says because that's what they did. Mm-hmm. That's just what they did. It's a good Right, right, and I think that we can
2: learn from somebody just sent out the other day and it was really good. Um, I think it was Mona, Monica Frose from Redefining Mom. She's a really good one to listen to. She does uh, Pinterest ads if anybody's interested. Um, but she sent out, do you do you follow one guru? Like they'll say, pick one person, follow that person, never you know, close your ears, never listen to anybody else or do you? Follow a number of people and then find which of those things resonate the most with you and for me that was that really touched my heart the other day i'm like, yeah, I mean i I do listen to experts, I love listening to podcasts, I love meeting new people, meeting new people. I have yeah. so many friends that don't know they're my friends um, but, but that is that is so impactful to find out what actually works for you first and then if it works for your business great and then lastly if somebody else is going to approve of it god bless them
1: yes absolutely we love all of this because we can and this is one of the reasons we really wanted to talk with you as well because we know you're doing so many different things that you're and and part of the deal is that as creators what we discover is that The more we create, the more we're able to create. And because the more ideas we have, the more opportunities open up. Just the world of opportunities open up. Mm -hmm. And including when we do what you did, and that is move beyond your comfort zone of producing only the content that you already knew inside and out. And the thing is, is that in order to help someone, you only need to be a chapter ahead of where they are, you know, having succeeded or proceeded through any aspect of that journey means that you have something that might be helpful to others. And while you're creating that content, you are learning more about it. So yeah, so that's fantastic. Now, okay, so you already dove in a little bit to your origin story that you said you started out in um, real estate, well, marketing and then real estate. Um, Okay. But how we also connected with you is that we share uh, an ad company that Places does ad placement on our websites, and they're the best ad company ever. Media Vine, they are fantastic. We interviewed Amber Bracegirdle with um, Media Vine for our podcast, which we'll link to this one. Um, and then I encountered you in that Media Vine group because I was in there biting my fingernails over the need to update our WordPress and change over to the new Gutenberg. WordPress.
0: And she mentioned the day that we were realizing we needed to make the daunting change. She said, there's this lady in this group who recommends it. And I was going, she's crazy. Obviously. (laughs) Well, and, and backing up, we had tried it a couple months prior you back know, it, when it was buggy and weird
1: inadvertently and it was it was a mess like we couldn't even write in it basically it wasn't even allowing us to, to function and so there <laughs> was like oh no we don't want to do that and then here's this lady who's like actually guys nope. i recommend it not only do i recommend it but here here are two links i've created how to tutorial videos on how to do it so talk, tell us a little bit about your journey into creating and growing websites um, and and monetizing through your websites if you would like. Oh, I love talking about this. Okay,
2: <laughs> so I had and this is super interesting, too.
1: And for, excuse had, me just uh, inter- uh, sorry, let me interrupt one second and for our audience for any audience member who's not interested in doing websites. We're definitely going to get to the Etsy parts, too. So, okay. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead.
2: And there might even be some Etsy in
0: here. That's true. Uh, <laughs> anyways
2: and i love talking about etsy so we will for sure get to that so i had that blog and i was stuck at 25,000 like i would have made Mar- or um mediavine but i had firmly stuck at 25,000 with the realtors like it was rock solid but it wasn't going anywhere i tried writing posts about normal marketing things um and i would get a little bit here and there i couldn't get anywhere on pinterest um it's it's marketing like nobody likes marketing like some people like marketing but mostly people have to do marketing they're not like marketing (laughs) um and so then when i started doing the etsy posts i started really getting um some i doubled my traffic because then i had a whole nother group of people Um, it's funny. I have four or 5,000 people on my newsletter list who are realtors who have been around forever. And if I send them a realtor thing, they'll do good. But if I send out an Etsy email to my 1300 people, I get such a good response. Mm -hmm. Like they're just passionate. They're excited. They're, they're interesting. I love them. So I'm more than qualified for Mediavine. And, um, lena gott who did um adventures and seo told me to to sign up and i'm like they're not gonna want me they're a food blog place like they're like i do marketing and i think i squeaked in because i had the etsy people if i had only been realtors i may not have gotten in and so then i got the ads and i'm like oh my gosh this is a way for me to make money doing what i love because i'm super careful every month every time i talk to somebody I'm like, what are the three things you like to do? And the three things I like to do are write blog posts, make pretty pictures, and boss people around. <laughs> Which is why I make videos, right? So those are my three things. Um, so I was getting paid to write blog posts. Okay. So then last year, well, now it's almost two years ago, my dog bit a lady. Okay. And so we we got him trained. He's fine. He's a little grumpy still, but... It, but she made her a truly big deal, and, um, and it turned out great. But but and he nipped her. He didn't. I don't even know if he broke the skin. But it was horrifying. And I deal with trauma by writing. So I started a baby little blog, artsy fartsy life over here. Wrote about getting dressed. Like I got dressed last summer because I wasn't very good at dressing myself. <laughs> And then um, I did it on Instagram. I did it all summer. My son took my pictures. I <laughs> like to do fun stuff in the summer. And then, and then I let it sit, right? And so then in November, my mother-in-law moved in with us and she has dementia and trauma back, right? Like, oh my gosh, these things. And so I learned so much. And from a caregiver's point of view, I felt like I really had something to add to the conversation and my, um, my blog post about dealing with poop is one of my very best ones on that site on Pinterest yeah. because it's an emergency. Like if you need to know how to do that, that's something that's really, it's not like marketing. Like right. people are like, I need help with how to answer the same questions five times, you know, 50 times a day and stuff like that. So that blog, that artsy fartsy life, just crossed 25,000. I got grandfathered into Mediavine because I would have gotten it, but it just crossed on, it, on her own. And come to find out that that, that that that's just going up and up and up and up because there's so many people who need help with that. And so that has been amazing. And that's also my fun one where I put my little paper craft posts and I put my essential oil posts on there.
1: So, so that- let, me just, uh, let me just ask this, Tara. For our audience, um, so because many people are, f- are not familiar with the numbers and like, so what you're saying is 25 sessions on your website per month, which is a little bit equatable to users or views, slightly yeah. different, but basically. So what you're talking about is Tara gets 25,000 people to her site um, or views on her site per month uh, and that that's like the entry point to become a uh, member of, say, the Mediavine audience, I mean, Mediavine publishers, rather, ad network, where it is that you can begin to monetize your site, whereas if you were on Google AdSense um, and some of the other ad networks, you might still end up with some pocket change, um, and it's really minimal, Uh, Mediavine works does like custom placement of the right kind of content with the right kind of audience and site. And of course they approve your, they have to approve and their partners mm-hmm. have to approve your site is qualifying and quality and structure for their, their ad partners. Right?
2: Yes. Yes. And I love it. I mean, I've enjoyed that. And it was funny. Um, maybe it's the time to talk to everybody about, Oh my gosh, you write books and you, have two websites, and you do junk journals, and you have two Etsy stores, and you, uh, oh, the reason why this was coming up was last year, I guess in April, I wanted to start monetizing my YouTube. I knew it wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be what my ads are, right? But I was like, it was a little challenge to myself. I had noticed I'd gotten relatively close, and I hadn't done it when I could have. And so I was like, I'm going to do that. So then I um, did a whole bunch of videos, got monetization for that. So I do some YouTube videos and people hear this and they go, how do you do all of that all at once? Yes. Okay. I don't. (laughs) I don't do all of that at once. Right. I do things by months. So Mm -hmm. this month is video month and I'm making a video a day, and that means I do some stuff. So if I'm doing a video a day, I may have to make a junk journal page, or I may have to fix something on my blog, and so then my blog gets better, and then I show people how to use Gutenberg, and this and that. So this month is video month. Last month was write a blog post every day, which I enjoy doing, like it's my number one, right? So I wrote, and it alternated between Marketing Artfully and Artsy Fartsy. Next month is going to be Pinterest for Etsy sellers. Mm -hmm. And what am I doing? I'm trying to get my Pinterest better for my digital store. So it's not like I'm ever doing all of it at once. And, And the other half of that you have to have is I have so much grace with myself. I'm like... I haven't written a blog post yet this month. Oh my god, like this is the worst thing. No, it's not the worst thing. I wrote 30 last month, people. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. and, but that the people I'm referring to are the people in my head who are now yelling at me <laughs> going, "You're not Oh, and I went to visit my dad for a week and you yeah. know the 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 chorus in my head every once in a while will go, "You're not doing enough. You're not good enough. You're dropping all these balls." And I can say to it, very honestly, it's not that month, right? And you could do it by week if you get stressed out and you don't want to do something for a whole month. But what I've found in my business is that a month is a long enough time. Like if I do a video every day on YouTube for a month and I do intermittent videos for the next two months. My YouTube will go up if I do. Like I'm reaping the results right now that my Pinterest is going up because I posted all the, um, you know, the blog posts and scheduled them out and did all that, so that's going up. And I think if if you understand that you can be multi-passionate, you can have all different kinds of things you love. Where I see the people really having trouble is when they want to do ten things equally well at the same time. Which nobody can do that,
0: right? That's such a great um, point because we have been talking about this ourselves regularly, we, regularly. <laughs> and, and because we have mul- we have a lot of different sites. We have this I Create Daily podcast, the I Create Daily website. The, the social medias for that the YouTube for that we also have a gardening <laughs> website and a fitness website and a recipes website like we we get it and and it's sort of like you have to go in seasons and,
1: and an Amazon FBA store and an Amazon FBA store <laughs> so, like yeah. we got all
0: that going on and uh, what's so great about that is a lot of those different things are seasonal by nature like people aren't gardening in the dead of winter unless you're in a place that doesn't experience winter, but still that's not like everybody. And so, you know, the focuses can shift as the seasons shift really. And we've found that we have needed to cut back or with the fitness, Google has come out with a lot of changes where unless you're a certified expert in certain fields, then it's not really a good idea to be in the fitness space and try and make a name for yourself at this point at this point. And so it all comes and goes in different seasons with your website. I was on your YouTube channel and you do a lot of focus on SEO, both for your website and for Etsy. Do you want to share some of your SEO tips? Search engine optimization. Search engine optimization for anybody who doesn't know what that is. We've had
1: some shows on that, but it's still an area that I think most creators neglect, in as, as we did. And as a result, um, you know, the, the websites and the articles that you create, if you don't pay attention to that, you know, get lost in the long, long, long tail of Google. So, yes, please share more on that for our, our audience and how you work with that.
0: So this
2: goes back to the beginning. In 1999, before there was a Google, actually in 2001, when there were still web crawlers and maybe Yahoo was starting, that's what I started doing. And I fell in love with SEO. And the reason I fell in love with it is because it's like cheating, right? (laughs) So if somebody else writes an amazing article and they are better than me, Maybe they're a better person. Maybe they saved a puppy. Maybe they, you know, they they did amazing things. But I know how to use words in my information. I can beat them. And then once you have those rankings, it's hard to get knocked off. So I'm going to talk real briefly about Google SEO, and then we'll talk a lot about Etsy SEO because it's so much easier. So so the way that I've weathered all of the ups and downs and ins and outs of Google's SEO is I just am a little train that could, and I do all white hat. I try to write amazing titles and things like that. And then one more thing that really helped me was when I realized that, uh, Devane, like that seasonality of... People care, like I just posted a video yesterday about Etsy shipping, because they changed shipping, God bless them, they sent me a whole bunch of traffic, um, because everybody wanted to know about it. Um, but, But writing a post about Etsy shipping right now, dropping everything else, doing a video, updating my shipping posts, all that, is a worthwhile use of my time while that's in the news, right? And I think that's another thing that we do is sometimes we think, well, there's nothing interesting going on. Um, Jennifer Maker just is amazing. If you want to watch a maker, I don't think her real last name is maker, but that's what she goes by. But that cry cut machine, or I guess a new kind of uh, uh, ink for cry cut came out, man, you want to see a woman Take a product that's coming out and schedule a whole shebang around it. That is taking advantage of things that are popular in the moment. Like right now, if you're not writing blog posts or doing um, Etsy products for the back to school crowd, then don't bother. Start with Halloween because you need to make sure that you're timing all these things right so that you can catch each wave of stuff that's interesting. So that's one thing you can do with Google and use Google Trends um, to track that. So you, you said that you do planners and worksheets and, and workbooks. And so I just did a video, I can't remember which one it was, but um, I was looking and like, if you look at workbooks and planners, it goes up in December and then it falls down and then there's a little one before school and then it falls down. So if you're mad that people aren't buying your planners in the middle of July and you're freaking out and you're, you're working your face off right now to generate, you know, planner sales, that's, that's a little nutso right this second, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to be really aware of that stuff. Now, Etsy SEO, now let's, let's change over to Etsy SEO. When I got there, I was like, I'm used to, I'm in marketing on Google. Every post I write has 2 million, 4 million, blah, 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 100 million competing sites for it. I get there and I'm competing with
1: thousands of people and I'm like, oh Yeah. My goodness! Kara, before you go to Essie, and that's super important, let me just ask you, when you- Absolutely. Are you searching your keywords which is how you're writing your articles to get found. Are you using a specific keyword tool or just Google Trends?
2: So, yes, I'm using a keyword tool. It's expensive, it's called SEM SEMrush. Um, and because my income is based on websites, it's worthwhile for me to pay for that tool. Now, Neil Patel just put out one that's similar Maybe not quite as good, but um, or maybe not quite as much data. I wouldn't say. I would say not as good. But it's called Uber Suggest, which you can use. Um, I can give you the perfect example of why you want to do this. So years ago, when I had a baby site and getting like 600 people a month to one blog post felt like that would never happen, right? So I wrote the um, this this. M- post about 100 best email titles okay 100 best email titles and i was just about to hit publish and i thought i should check this because i'm a tiny bit psychic um so i'm like i should check this so i go in and check and come to find out that like 10 people a month search for email titles and 50,000 search for email subject lines, right? And so had I not done that, I wouldn't have gotten the search volume to that blog post when it really mattered. I mean, it was my number one blog post for two or three years. Mm. Um, And that would have made a huge difference in the trajectory of my website. Just because... I took that literally 5 seconds which is better which oh okay yes. everybody else calls them subject lines who knew um, so that's where I feel like it can really make a difference
1: right um, okay awesome. Awesome. fantastic and those tiny
0: tweaks it's like the the little tiny what is it, the one-centimeter shift yes. can make all the difference? Yes, on the
1: trajectory, absolutely. And so to, to um, help our audience at this point as well, so some of the tools we use, uh, and we've been through a lot of them, and it's kind of confusing because not any one of them does everything that you need unless, as you say, you pay a lot, and the ones that you pay a lot for is S E M Rush. SEM Rush or Ahrefs, A-H-Refs, they are the most expensive. Um, and then there's Keyword Finder, there is Keyword Keg, um, and Keyword yeah, Tool.io. And all of those have their value, but they all cost something. So what we're using that's free um, is Keyword Keg has a Chrome. If you're using a Chrome browser, they have something that can attach to the menu called Keyword Keg that will allow you to see how many search results anytime you search anything right there in your, on your taskbar. So that's I a really... Use,
2: I use two free extensions, and I will look and see what they are that I love. Um, one is, one is Keywords Everywhere, which sounds like it does something like that. And the other one, I hope I can find it because it's amazing. It adds like another level to that.
1: Yeah. So Keywords, while you're looking, Keywords Everywhere is connected with Keyword Keg. I think Keyword Everywhere is the paid version. No, it's free. Oh, it's free. Uh, well, well, excuse me. What I'm saying is that they have a free and a paid version. So I it's the keyword keg that has the Chrome, um, what do you call it? What did you call it? Chrome uh, extension. <laughs> extension, Chrome extension. But then they also have the paid version through, and I'm pretty sure that through the keyword anywhere.
2: Yeah, I can't find it. If I, if I can find out what it is, um, I'm just going to try real quick and see if it comes up.
1: Okay, and if not, while you're looking, we can always add it to the show notes later.
2: Yep. The author is I can tell you the author is, but he doesn't have what it is. Okay, we'll figure that out. but those those tools are amazing for like that quick um thing. And then, okay, so here's something else that I see asked a lot. So should you write a blog post if if it doesn't have good keyword value, right? I can't tell you, the reason why I write a a blog post a month is because some of my highest traffic have come in the middle of those, right? Um, And I will tell you that I can't tell you which of those 30 blog posts are going to hit. I don't know. And I can't tell you, like, I can't go, everybody says, well, you should only write, like, one amazing blog post rather than you know 10 normal blog posts or you should get there should be three thousand search volume before you write a blog post well i will tell you when i'm cranking those little puppies out i can't figure out why one of them does better than the other ones like the one time one of my very best blog posts right now is how to get your first listing client for realtors, right? And I'm here to tell you, it was like, I have to do a marketing post. I have to do a Pinterest post. I have to do a realtor post. Oh my gosh, what am I going to write? I don't know. I'm Okay, fine. I'll write 10 ways to get... And literally, I just spewed it out. And I'm like, okay, fine. I didn't try to SEO it amazing. I'm just like, yeah, here. And Realtor.com picked it up and I had, I mean, like, I'm like, this is ridiculous, but you can never know, like getting too deep in the weeds and creating rules for yourself and doing all that sometimes will keep you from having that creative one or two that'll just go nuts.
1: That's a great point. Yes. Yes. Yeah, So there you are, you know, millions of views and competition in Google and, you know, hacking that, making it work. And then you show up on Etsy with all this knowledge uh, and you see... With a bunch I, of artists who, the, who may <laughs> not have
0: the knowledge. Right.
1: And you find a way to get found more quickly, which is exactly what our audience, many in our audience would love to know. So we're all ears.
2: Okay. So the thing about Etsy SEO is it's, like Google was years ago, okay? It's not very smart, it's, it's like a toddler, maybe a five-year-old, maybe seven, it's very literal. So if you do not have the keyword in there, it can't extrapolate and it also can't figure things out. So if you look at what a cardinal is, a cardinal is a red bird. It's a Roman Catholic church leader. And it's a baseball team. And mm-hmm. it could, oh, it's a color red, right? Yeah. So it's four things. Um, and so if you put cardinal into Etsy, it's gonna give you red birds, unless you say baseball or religious or whatever. So that's what you have to think of. And I and I will see so many Etsy sellers. Mm-hmm either they don't want to brag, like they're doing it really from a place of, I don't want to put all these things in. I don't feel like, you know, I deserve to put hand painted or handmade or, you know, whatever. Um, Or they're just overwhelmed and they have no idea how to figure out how to get keywords. Like they'll say, I don't know what keywords to put in. So we're going to talk about how you do it with the old standby of who, what, where, when, and why. okay. And we're gonna start with what. So you start with exactly what it is. So I'm gonna get something, hang on. Look, it's amazing. It's a 1970s, like silver-coated, grapevine wreath. You don't see these every day, right? Right. So what is it? It is a grapevine candle holder. It has grapes and leaves. It's silver. It's four taper candles. It's okay. So that's just like what? So you start with exactly what it is. And then you think about like, what color is it? It's silver, it's metal, it's, you know, all those things. And then you would think about who would like this. Well, goth people would like it or, you know, that or things like that. When would they like it at Halloween time? That's gonna be a good time to have one of these because it would enrich your Halloween decor and things like that. So if you get stuck, um, start thinking about the who, what, where, when, and why. So let's think of something. So a pine-scented candle, right? It's a pine-scented candle. It's probably green. Some people might care that it's green. They might be doing that for a, a home decor reason. Is it soy? Is it whatever it is? Does it have a wooden, um, you know, wick? Thank you. Does it have a wooden wick? Is it natural? Is it handmade? Is it, um, then we get to the pine. Is it balsa pine? Is it fir pine? Is it for Christmas? Is it, you know, and then you do all those things and you can get all these words that you would never think of. And I think the hardest ones are gifts for right so, I just looked up gifts for mom today. There's over a million listings. So, if you're counting on showing up for gifts for mom, oh, that's a rough one. I wouldn't. But if you're showing, uh, if you want to show up for gift for, what about stepmom? What about grandmother? What about grandma? What about papa? What about new mom? What about so, so. It always feels to us that we would like to show up under Etsy search for candles, right? But the chance of somebody looking for the exact type of candle you sell searching for just candles is really low, right? right. So the more specific you can get. Now, let's talk about titles because I've heard Etsy say that you should only like use five word titles. That keeps them from being confused, right? And if the rules were different, I would not want my people to be confused. I would trust Etsy. If they give me 140 characters and those words count towards search, girlfriend is using them all, right? Right. In your tags, people think that either tags are one word or stuck to one phrase, right? You can use 13 tags, up to 20 characters, and they don't, it's a computer. It doesn't read it like humans read English. So if I have dog, collar, collars, and I think it would fit, but if I have dog, collar, collars, and collars wouldn't fit, I would do dog, dogs, collar, collars, canine, you know, I would, I fit as many words into those tags too because you have to remember that Etsy is literal. Like if you don't have canine, it can't extrapolate
1: to dog. Okay, so you're talking about, so the keywords in this case, like on a website, the keywords go in the title, subheadings, and in the body. Um, And on Etsy, the keywords go in the product description. And then there's a. Oh, no,
2: p- title and tags is the only place Etsy search pulls from.
1: Okay, okay, so not in the description. Title and tags, okay, great to know. Um, now, the description then could be used for elaborating on things that the people might want to know as a buyer, you know, like, I don't know, details like dimensions or what have you, which is not something that would be as, key- as, as, big a, as important a keyword, I would think. Depends on what it is, I suppose. Okay, so if you have blue dog collar, on one tag, do you still want to hit spacebar and go to the next tag and type in dog collar? In other words, is that algorithm computer seeing blue dog collar? Is it in, is it interpreting dog collar? Is that good enough, or do you want to have the two separate ones?
2: So it used to do that, and that's where people get messed up. So Etsy search has changed like three times since I started in two thousand and fifteen, and we're so almost five years. So when I started keyword stuffing worked and I was super happy about that, which that's keyword stuffing, blue dog collar, small dog collar, cloth dog collar. You know, if you had that exact search phrase, it would boost you up. It doesn't do that anymore. They also were doing a thing for a little while where they would not allow more than one result per page for your results. So if you were selling dog collars and I can only get one result per page, I may SEO three of them, but then I'm gonna try every other thing I can think of on the rest of them because I'm not gaining anything because I'm only doing that, but they stopped doing that too. So now what they're doing is, and this is in 2019 people, this may change, but now what they're doing is they're saying, that if the words are in either your title or your tags. Now I put my very like silver grapevine taper candle holder, right? That's that's my very first. Now that's longer than 20 characters. So I'll kind of split that up and waste characters. I'll make sure to put that together. But after that, man, it's a free-for-all. Any words that I can think of that will
0: help somebody find my product in search. Okay. So the most important thing is to get your initial keyword or phrase set so that you Image can rank title. for the most important thing that that item is and represents and the most. How do you research that? Are you just searching on Etsy? Are there any tools? How are you, just, how are you determining that this is the main one to focus on for this product? On Etsy. On Etsy. That's
2: So that's good so number one let's talk about free ways to do it before we talk about tools and i'll talk about three different ways to do it if you do a search on etsy much like pinterest does right under the search bar it will make it'll show you the little subcategories right Mm -hmm. and you can drill down those subcategories so that's a great way to do it you can also look at other things people are saying that are, quote, ranking high. Because they do a little bit of what Google does. You know, if if I do a search in Florida and you do a search somewhere else, you're going to get different, like, locations. If I've bought from a seller before, I might see them. You might not see them. You know, there's a little bit of that. Not as much as in Google, but there is some personalization now. So there are no top listings. Um... So you can do that just using Etsy search. The second thing is a a software called Etsy Rank, which I think still costs money, but it costs a little bit of money. Um, And what they do is they scrape the data from all the listings. And so you can get ideas, right? It does make it a lot easier to get ideas um but the problem for me with that is they are taking um information from other sellers right and i feel like most of the other sellers are not that good at marketing either Marmalade is a company that has um they use the etsy api so then they tell us they have a little comparison tool which i do every time and you can put in and say should this be a candle holder or a candlestick now i call these candlesticks i came from pennsylvania they're light switches and candlesticks come to find (laughs) out they're switch plate covers and candle holders um but you can put in candlestick candle holder and it will tell you how many searches have been done each month for each of those tools
1: you said that tool is called normally marmalade
2: m-a-r-m-a-l-e-a-d tell them tara sent you because i love them okay um and so for me that was like i i must have started when marmalade started right like they they must have made this tool the day i started etsy because i was like what you can Like they'll tell you, I wish, you know, if Google had this, I would be so much better at this, (laughs) but they will literally tell you exactly how many, you know, like you can do comparisons, you can do all kinds of stuff. And so that, that just helps. Oh, 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 I have a better one too. So if you haven't, if you haven't started a site yet, then you got to start there, right? Or an Etsy store yet. You have to start there because you don't have anything. But what I find is a lot of the Etsy sellers are not going into their stats to see what keywords people are searching for. So um, a while ago, I was working with a lady. I was doing a consultation with a lady, and she sells big furniture like uh, dressers and bookcases and things like that. And um, she's like, "They're hard to ship," blah blah blah, you know. And so I we went into her stats, and there was end tables, night tables, side tables, um, uh, sofa tables, there were all these things that people had searched for and she only had a couple of listings for these things. So you can find out not only what keywords to use, but your market research to see what people are looking for. And, um, you know, I've done that because for a while there, I have like an inventory sheet or like a listing sheet for Etsy and people from Poshmark kept buying it. Or I had an eBay one that people from, I'm like, well, gosh, I will just make a Poshmark one. And that's one of my top volume sellers, not, not money sellers, but um, in quantity. Uh, but yeah, so, so your own stats, they give you a, they used to be bad. They used to be really bad, um, but they got better. Fantastic. You are
0: super into stats. What are the top like, three to five that people should pay attention to as they're getting started so they're not overwhelmed with all the numbers and all the data?
1: Or even one to three,
0: yeah.
2: So if you're selling handmade, which is a little different because you have multiple things to sell, handmade or digital products, You should be watching your top five products because they'll tell you your top five. Make very small changes. Like I'll hear people say, I changed my whole store or I changed my best-selling product. Why? Why? Never touch them. (laughs) If they start dropping, then you can touch them. But otherwise, leave those little gems alone. Um, So you can see those. I would look at your bottom five, um, which they show you, for two things. Number one, is it just something nobody wants, right? Like, because it's not an exact science, but say you have only 25 things in your shop and five of them never sell, Well, as a percentage of your sales volume, they are hurting you, right? So can you either SEO them better or do we just need to kill them and bring out five good new products? And if you're a handmade seller, I would look at um, talk to or go look at um, freehandmadetraining.com. That's a lady named Renee Christine and she is excellent if you're just getting started um she talks about cupcakes a lot but she's excellent um so those two things i would look at i would also watch um i think one of the things so two horrible things happened with etsy shipping okay and if you're just thinking about it or just started or whatever this is a really bad time to get excited about doing etsy i mean i'm still I'm not one of those, I'm leaving now, you know, they bring me a lot of customers, I don't care. Um, Oh, and I have another one after this, don't let me forget. Oh, so, so, dimensional shipping in UPS changed. So if you have to ship something large, it got more expensive, like, significantly more expensive. So if you're just starting, try to do things that are smaller in size, like, um, if you're going to make signs, try to make sure they fit in a large priority box, right? The one size fits all, fits it ships, do things like that. And then secondly, Etsy just came out with last week, I think, that if you don't offer free shipping, they're going to put you down in placement for search. Like it's very um, aggressive and coercive and it, it's not sitting well with a lot of Etsy sellers. But to me, what that means is that I have to make sure I'm offering products that are not a commodity, that there's, that I'm offering something special because I won't do free shipping because I would like, if I have to add $90 to the cost of an item, nobody's going to buy it, but they understand it costs $90 to ship, right? There's no free shipping. Um, And I, and I sell a lot of metal things. So it matters to me um but but if you sell light things it shouldn't matter to you offer the free shipping god bless you get the bonus and all that um so that's something to really think about when you're getting started is are your stuff light can you use a poly mailer instead of a box how can you reduce those shipping costs um and then then the third thing i'm bad at counting uh the yeah. third thing i would look at is um Where's your source of traffic? So, Etsy SEO only matters if you're 100% relying on Etsy to bring you every single sale. I know girls on Etsy who are rocking Instagram. Um, I get a lot of my traffic for my Etsy digital store from Marketing Art Fleet. I drive my own traffic. I get some from Pinterest, which I wanna increase that so I'm having a little challenge with my Facebook group next month to do that. I mean, if you're, if, if you're on any selling platform or on any blogging platform, if you sign up for WordPress and put up a site and then sit and wait for people to come, nobody's coming. Right. Um, So, so that's another thing I would look at in my Etsy stats to see, Can I generate more of my own traffic? I have an email list. So I generate traffic from my email list. I include my Etsy shop link in my YouTube videos, right? So there's other places. Now, this is a thing. I like doing all those things, but I don't like Instagram. So I don't do Instagram. Like I have pictures of my children and my animals. If you're going to my Instagram thinking you're getting great business advice or cute quotes or anything like that, you're not because I don't love Instagram. But so I don't think, again, you have to do everything. I think you should pick a few things that you're good at and then focus on those.
1: Yeah,
0: that's I perfect.
1: That's what we tell people too. Yeah, yeah, we de- we're de- definitely strong in that. And so the, essentially the best social platform is the one you use the most, that you're most familiar with because you're there and you know you know the people. Yeah. And you
0: know the trends because you're staying, and you enjoy staying on top of the trends yeah. that are there and how you and your niche can plug into that.
1: Yeah. And now that said, uh, where it is that you might branch out uh, away from your, like if for instance, you're a Facebook fan and you're not really much on Instagram, but the demographics on Instagram, which tends to be a bit younger, is you're selling to that younger market, then that's where you might want to create a presence or partner with someone with an influencer, mm-hmm. someone who has a large enough following who might be glad to get a free product of yours in order to shout it out, or even be paid $50 to shout it out and share with their audience or what have you. There are all kinds of things that you can do. But yeah, otherwise that's we totally agree. That's great advice. So now does Etsy, uh, can you advertise on Etsy? Yeah, you can do promoted listings. Um, which I do. So I do
2: promoted listings for two reasons. And um, like right this time of the year, it's not planner time. I spend about a dollar a day, and I make sure I go in. I'm I'm getting about double my marketing return because people aren't looking for planners. But I'm not losing money on my marketing. So I'm doubling my marketing. It's a digital product I created long ago. It's pure profit. Now be more careful if you're selling a physical product, then a 50% promotions budget wouldn't be good. But um, but yeah, so I do that, and I do it for two reasons. Again, Etsy loves me, because um, not only are they sending me traffic, which is one reason, but number two, they tell you what keywords people clicked on to get there. So now you know that these are important keywords because Etsy makes money when I sell things yeah. and when they sell things. So this is like super refined. They're gonna show the ads that result in the clicks that result in the sales. So the the keywords that you get in there are amazing. Fantastic. When I do Google ads and, and what I have found, um, is you keep so it the the promoted listings are really you can finesse them, you can say the maximum you want to spend, you can say I don't want to advertise my two dollar form, I only want to advertise my 1750 planners or whatever. The Google ads are not refined at all, so if you sell lower product, lower cost product items, it's really hard to make um, the Google ads. Uh, cash flow positive um, but if you're selling something expensive like i had a client at one time that sold dog earns that were between 300 and 500 dollars well yeah you can run google ads for a long time before you aren't going to have you know that tipping point of where your profits are affected by it
1: that's a great point so from your perspective with digital products Like it's a no-brainer if you spend $30 in a month to advertise a a dollar a day. All you need to do is sell $30 worth to break even on that.
0: And not hard if it's a lower level product and you're just getting a quantity of sales.
1: Right, exactly. And you're bringing more traffic to your store. The more you bring traffic to your store, the more you're going to move up in the Etsy algorithm ranking. So it's a win-win. And they'll reward you for that because, again, you're bringing traffic to their store. So You drive traffic to your Etsy shop from your websites. Do you also do it from a Facebook page and, and, and (laughs) from Pinterest, Pinterest? Yeah. Do you also do any Facebook advertising from Facebook page to your Etsy store?
2: So that's super interesting. And it's something that I find Etsy sellers mess up a lot. Okay. I have an Etsy marketing Facebook group that's full of Etsy sellers, right? They aren't there to buy things from my shop. They're there to learn about Etsy. Right. So I do share things to my blog post, but I don't share... If I have a big sale on my digital product store, I'll share it with them. I'm more likely to share that in my email list than I would be to share in my Facebook group. And the reason why I say this is I belong to a vintage dealer's Facebook group where I see people posting listings all the time to other vintage Etsy sellers. I belong to a um, another group where I see people, po- like stop posting your Etsy listings to Etsy seller groups, right? If I was going to have a, um, a a Facebook group, I would have a Facebook group that was like, wicked cool antique stuff or junk journaling, you know, ephemera stuff, where then the people coming are people who are interested in that. They're still not interested in me. Like Even the people on my group aren't interested in me. They're interested in how I can help them, obviously. They're nice to me, but (laughs) <laughs> um, at the end of the day, they really just want to sell more on Etsy, sure. but yeah, and um, so I have uh, I have used Facebook advertising in the past. I do not like Facebook. I, um, uh, I made an Etsy Facebook group because people ask me, they ask me more questions, and um, they help generate traffic to my blog, and I can answer questions once. Um, they're a great source of blog posts for me. Like I, um, I uh, just put out my newsletter um, that, can I use your stores? And so I got a list of like 12 stores I can use and review and make videos for. Um, so they're, they're, it, it is a value to me, but it's not making me any money.
1: Okay, that makes sense. So do you have a Facebook page for your artsy artsy? Uh, website?
2: You know, no, no, no. I don't have an email list. I don't have a Facebook page. Okay. I'm not doing that right yet. And this goes back to the having the grace with myself because in the shower, I'm like, oh, because I use ConvertKit. Yeah. So I could totally have an artsy fartsy email list and it wouldn't affect, I mean, like, it would be awesome. Yeah. But that's, but when I think of my three things I like to do, I like to write blog posts, I like to make pretty pictures, and I like to boss people around. None of that says I want to manage another email list. So I try to be careful. Now, not to say that come, you know, September, October is usually a pretty busy month for my um, vintage, but December is a horrific month for all my sales. And you made me smile because, or excuse me, Devane, you made me smile, I think, because you were talking about seasonality. And do you know this is the first July that I have been like majorly profitable because I'm getting my Mediavine March money. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Or April money, something like that. So, so Yes, I should probably do that. But I do have a big, I mean, I have everything for marketing artfully. I have onboarding emails, I have um, drip sequences, lead magnets, follow ups, all that.
1: Okay, fun. Well, that makes sense because, you know, that's your marketing blog. I mean, it makes sense you'd be yeah. doing that and focusing there. And yes, we can, that is such a, a critical aspect of success today, is deciding uh, as much what not to do as what to do. Yeah. So I love that you've come down with your three core things of why you do what you do, what you love doing. Um, we were just talking about that same thing. We have three C's. We love to create, connect, and contribute. Um, and so it's like everything that is, is what is the core of what we come back to every time we decide what we're going to do. It's based on that concept. I think that's
0: such an important thing for decision making because then you can say, okay, is this, is this opportunity wherever it's coming from, does it fall within any of my core business values or core creator values at all? And if it doesn't, it's really pretty simple after that to be like, can't do that. Can't take that on.
1: Yes. And if it is, if both, if you have several things you're deciding between and both of them fit, which one fits more, you know, and which one fits more and takes less time essentially in order to
0: Google searching it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Before we've already taken an, an more of your time than we need to or than we wanted to. And we could still talk to you for hours. So maybe we could have you on again if, you, uh, if you're if you willing to talk about a whole other subject, such as blogging, for instance, and go deeper into that. Or How about you, doing digital products? Digital products. In fact, that was what I was going to ask you next before I let you go. Is and, and it may be that we have to do a part two on that. Um, but that is like you were saying. So you do well with your di- digital products on Etsy, and what's so wonderful about that is you create it once and then it's done. It's infinite profit after that. So what is it that you see are the most profitable of your Etsy things? If you're if you're comfortable sharing that,
2: I share everything. <laughs> um, so my realtor planner is the most profitable. Um, And that's because, A, it's a very good realtor planner. Like, I made it with my bestie, who's a realtor, so we have, like, the best of the things that we do, and I'm sure somebody could steal it. Um, I drive a lot of the realtor traffic to it, right? So, um, and which makes it sell more, which makes Etsy like it more, which makes me more money. So it would be really hard for somebody to beat me at that. The
0: Poshmark
2: form, which was just a like all it was, was changing eBay to Poshmark. So that was such a happy accident. And then um, I think one of my really good ones is a direct sales um, for a uh, planner that I made with my friend Kirsten that I that I talked about earlier, because um, she's a direct salesperson. So she helped me with that. So I would say that that And I have an entrepreneur's planner that never sells. Mm. So on Etsy, you need to be niche. Like you need to, even if you have to, and years ago, one of the big marketers had a dog training book and literally he did dog training for Cocker Spaniels, dog training for Dachshunds, dog training for... So if you're gonna try to sell something on Etsy as a digital product, have it go to a market. I'm not saying you have to create crazy different things, like some of the calendar stuff's the same and that, but, but you do have to make it a little bit niche because that's just the audience there. They want something for them. It's a handcrafted place. They think you, you know, they really want something just for them.
1: Okay, right, that makes Great. a lot of sense. And we forgot to ask you about your books and how you were on, on your Kindle books. On Amazon, and how you and um, Rebecca Welch committed to writing a book a week for a year. Oh my gosh! Did you, are you in that year? Did you finish it? Well, we fin we
2: wound up finishing half a year because I adopted three children. Oh so my gosh! Hopefully, okay. people, but we did it for every week for six months. And um, two things that were very huge about that. Number one, it was a drop dead commitment if we were writing, if we were doing it at 11 o'clock at night, if we were, you know, whatever. Um, The second half of it was we were writing about subjects that we knew about. So I'm more than happy to tell you the process of how we did it. Oh, and then we, and then a third thing is we both played to our strengths. Okay. So I could write I can write about 40,000 words a day if I have to. Like I can type fast, I can write fast, I can do all that. So what we would do is on Thursday we would meet and we would literally scope out the whole book, chapters, subheadings, blah, 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 blah. And so for me, and that meeting took maybe four or five hours, right? So for me and for some, for people who are writing books, we did the beats, Right. We wrote the beats of the book, it's called The Beats. Um, And then it was just, for me, it was fill in the blanks. And it was probably 90% a book, right? And then on Monday night, before I went to bed, I would email it to Rebecca and she would um, start editing it. And so then I would get it back like Wednesday, Wednesday, No, I would get it back Saturday and I would work on it Saturday, publish it like Sunday night. And then the next week would start all over again. So when you say that, it sounds like, oh my God, you're doing nothing but this. But number one, we were handing them off back and forth. Number two, she's an amazing editor. And so she was doing, like I wasn't writing and editing at all. I was like, okay, I have backup. She's going to be fixing things. She's going to be doing all that. And then together we had come up with the framework for the book. And the funny thing is, I think it's because I, while I'm bossy, I don't have control issues at all. I'm like, okay, if this is what I'm supposed to write, not to say that there weren't times when I wouldn't add something, but there were very rarely times when I like second guessed what... I was doing, and now I was writing from like six o'clock in the morning till ten o'clock at night wow. because I'm a one bad day kind of girl than a do two hours a day kind
1: of right, girl. right, fantastic. Well, that's a that's very helpful and inspiring. Uh, we want to learn more about that, so I think we'll cover that next time when we talk with you as well. Um, so we well, can- I did
2: have something fun to give as an example. Yeah. So like you said, there's a million things you could do and how do you pick which things to do? Okay, so I do like doing podcasts because I like talking to people somewhat and I like getting introduced to new audiences, right? So in my mind, one of the things for, I would say the last four years that I should do is contact podcasts and um, like try to get, Podcast gigs, right? And I had an assistant. Unfortunately, my assistant passed away. I miss her desperately. But, um, but like I could have had her do it. But then I had to give her a list. Blah 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 blah. So in four years, I've never done this, right? Wow. I don't think it's a thing that I'm going to spontaneously start doing now. So what I do is I don't enjoy those ones where it's like a summit and there's a whole bunch of people and, right. I just don't enjoy that. So I figured that out. That's awesome. I do enjoy podcasts. And luckily for me now, people approach me occasionally, not a ton, but occasionally. And so I've been able to be, to say yes to the podcast people that actually want to talk to me rather than going out and schlepping and trying to find it. So If you're beating yourself up all the time because you haven't done something yet, kind of take a look and see if it's actually working somewhat the way, I mean, optimally there would be a whole plan, but there's no plan and it's still working. So that's something that might be neat to end on and, and just be nice to yourself. You don't get to yell at yourself anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, That's a good point. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, the, the great point about that too is that a lot of times like for us as interviewers, we're always on the look for people who are obviously being consistent in showing up because where I create daily, we're about people who are consistent with showing up daily to their craft. And so it's very easy to kind of spot those people. And so if you're showing up in the world and you're trying and you want to get interviews and you want people to interview you then the most important thing is to show up for the things of interest to you. And yeah, that doesn't mean you can't do outreach and all of that. All of that stuff helps if that's what you're interested in. But a lot of times, like consistency is a great point of credibility for people.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's a good point. And you certainly have done that. And the thing about uh, you're like you, you're you an action taker. You're a doer. You're an action taker. You're not a procrastinator. And that makes a big difference, too. So, you know, when for you to say, it's okay if I didn't get to it, then yes, you're, you know, you're not coming from a place of procrastination. If anyone in our audience listening knows that procrastination is one of their roadblocks, then the best way is to just push through and just do it without thinking about it. Just do it and uh, start the next best thing. Um, Like for instance, when we invited you to um, be on the podcast. You immediately went and booked the, the podcast, uh, you booked the interview like two weeks later, your next, you know, like one of our next openings. So you took action right away. Um, and yet, you know, so it's like, it's kind of like for creators, we have to balance, not just getting into the creative mode. Of, now I'm creating this, now I'm creating that, and now I'm creating, but to create what we enjoy and then to step back and have some mentality yeah. and some strategy to it and analyze it, then create and then analyze. And it certainly sounds like you have a wonderful balance in that. Yeah. I, and I think
2: that um, a lot of times makers don't want to live by a calendar, but I live and die by my calendar. That's why I just went and signed up. I put it in my calendar. I knew what was going on. And mine is for two reasons. Number one, I have three kids, three dogs, three cats, a turtle, and <laughs> fish. fish. Um, but number two is because in my calendar for friday is four hours to go to the thrift stores and look around at stuff right and i i can be totally happy doing that because it's already planned in my calendar today after i'm done talking to you until i cook dinner because spaghetti day is my day i have two hours of make junk journals there's no right this second there's no monetizing of that yet like I do a few Amazon links or whatever but that's just my play time that's my create time and I guess I also know this uh, this is this is a great thing to know about yourself is I work the best between eight and two like that is when I can work if you hit me after about one thirty, you know, that's why I do all my interviews after one thirty. If you do, I mean, not that I'm not good at talking after one thirty, but to <laughs> focus and to, to you know, strategize something and to get something done, that wouldn't be my time. And it was so funny because I was talking to an artist, Kevin Kearns, up in um, the Hudson Valley, and he paints amazing, huge canvases, shows in New York City. He's just... I have his one of his pieces in my bedroom, and he's like, what? He's like, no, I start work at two. Like, wow. that's yeah. when I start work. And so I think if 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 you're reading a book and it says you have to be an early bird, tell them to hush. And if you're reading a book and it says you have to work eight hours a day, tell them to hush and then just figure out, you know. If your time is only, I have a girlfriend who's, who's a new mom and she has two hours a day. That's how much she has. And there's no sense in wishing for more because there just aren't any more. Right. So that's part of it is, you know, take a little bit, it's called time blocking, but take and time block times when you can be either working on your business, working in your business, doing fun stuff, you know.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. That's exactly what we do. Uh, We block out our mornings for creating and then we connect uh, and contribute in the afternoons. And it wakes you up for us
0: anyway. It helps wake us up if we're, you know, because all the other work takes energy, like creating takes a lot of energy. And so it's like, Oh, getting a little tired. Let's, let's, check in with our group or our social pages and and wake up, which is always
1: energizing, connecting with people. Well, thank you so much, Tara. You are amazing. Uh, you have a vast wealth of information for our audience and we look forward to connecting with you again. So thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.